Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Fit Muller. Good day, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Success Inspired Podcast. My guest today is owner of an award-winning creative design agency, Z Factor, out of Canada. <clears throat> He's also host of the Angry Designer Podcast, a no-bullshit advice podcast that he currently co-hosts with his most experienced designers, saying things that others are too scared to say, calling out the ridiculous myths, topics, terms, and people in the business. Him and his team are on a mission to help B2B technology brands to be more human and look more global. And he is passionate about helping tech startups and grown-ups with actionable practical advice for branding, design, and marketing. With over 25 years of experience in branding, design, and marketing, he leads all facets of Z-Factor's business from strategy and creative direction to closing deals and ensuring client success through a no-bullshit client or life approach. So buckle up because today we will dive into the world of design and how design can help not only inspire people to live better life, but drive success in any business. And this is what this podcast is about, to inspire your success. So please welcome to the show, Massimo Zeferino. That was good, man. You've done this once or twice, eh? Good on you. Thanks for having me, man. Like again, this is this is for me. This is an honor. You're you're big time. I'm learning. I'm already <laughs> learning from you. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, I I don't feel that way, but um, it's good to hear it. Yeah, some recognition. So I love it. I love it, man. Podcast to podcast, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, this is a great space. Cool. Absolutely. So. Let me just, let's do like a quick, uh, you know, introduction, like kind of expand. I know we introduced you a little bit, but what's something that not many people know about you? Oh, geez, dude. Um, that I have 200,000 pieces of Lego in the basement of my house. <laughs> I know, right? That's pretty scary. <laughs> that's, that's where I had my kids when they're bad. <laughs> I build Lego forts and hide them in there. So nice. What's your favorite? Is that like Lego Technic or just the basic kid one? No, and it's just the basic kid ones. You know what happens is you start, you buy one set, you buy another set, and you start building. I did experiment for a little while with this architectural set, and it was just all white. So it was so boring, but as a designer, it was so satisfying to just see this, you know, like thousands of just white pieces of Lego. Because half the time, half the battle is finding the right color, not just the right piece, damn it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My son is nine months, so I cannot wait to like play when he's, man. Thanks, man. I cannot wait when he's like at that age when, um, yeah, he'll kind of like know what to do with it. And like, we can actually like, maybe like, I'm, I've always wanted to have Lego Technic. I never, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my parents never bought me one. Um, I don't know. Like we didn't really have that much money and yeah, like I cannot wait. I just want to buy him one. Like, like, right. And then really we're buying for ourselves. What <laughs> we're seeing is for the kid. <laughs> oh, I got this all planned out. So I have, I have, get this. I got four kids. All right, I got three girls, one boy. And so my whole life was all glitter and princess dresses until number three baby, which was the boy, right? And then I was like, okay, finally, I got some guy toys I can play with, right? And um, and it was kind of, it, it was incredible because, you know, like not that, you know, I, I'm listening to everybody and you hear all these things about, you know, nature versus nurture and no, 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 we're putting it into them, right? So it was like, okay, well, let's see, right? He's he's a little guy, he's got two older sisters. Let's, let's see how this plays out. And um. 
I remember he was, he was about nine months old, 10 months. He was sitting up, right. And just grabbing stuff. And, you know, he was just sitting amongst all these like girl toys, right? Cause again, the dolls and this and that. And he took this little, um, what looked like a little, um, you know, like a shelf, doll shelf, right? In the little dollhouse. He picked it up. He turned it on its side and he was like, vroom. <laughs> and it was like, hey, that wasn't me. I didn't teach that, but that's awesome. So right away, of course, we have to go get him some trucks and get him this and that. And so th then all of a sudden it changed, but it was interesting because he had influence. But, um, you know, I don't know if the influences from his sisters were good influences because, you know, he's he's definitely a he's definitely wired different than she than than both all three of them, actually. So. Yeah. Every stage gets better, dude. At nine months, I mean, you're, you're in the middle of it now. It's awesome, but it just, every stage just gets better and better and better. So hang on tight, man. That's awesome. I love it, man. Every day. I love it. I love it. I just wish I had more time, you know, like in the morning I wake up and <clears throat> have a, you know, maybe 30 minutes with family, have a brekkie, and then I'm going to leave in here into my, uh, to my dungeon, into my office here to, to do what I need to do. And, uh, he's always looking at me like, as I'm leaving. And so my trick is I try to like, Laugh, you know, do something funny. So he starts laughing and then I, and then I, yeah. I and then I leave. <laughs> it's like a mic drop, dude. Mic drop. <laughs> you leave one on high notes. That's it. That's it, man. So your son is, uh, son, you know, I mean, there's so about that creativity, right? The kid's creativity, like they're creative. Like you say, like he, he takes a doll and like, room now he's making a car out of it. It's like, how these mugs? I created these, uh, coffee mugs. It's like, yeah, recently signed up for Patreon as a, as a way to um, have something for the, you know, for the hardcore fans that, like, if there are any, I'm not sure yet, but mm -hmm. if there are hello hardcore fans, um, yeah, it's just going to put together this, this cup, like just one like dark peach black cup and just some motivational quote on it. Nice. Um, so if you guys are listening and you want to get onto a cool coffee mug to inspire your morning, inspire your day, jump on to successinspiredpodcast.com forward slash Patreon. And there you go. Little, little, all right, slide that one in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, so where were we? We're talking about creativity. We all are super creative, we don't have Absolutely. limits, like everything is off limits, right? Until, until kind of we get uh indoctrinated into the into the way of how people should live and the whole, I mean, True. talk about the whole NLP where it's all coming from and all that, what, whatnot. So, that creativity. And you are creative by heart. Like that's what you do. That's your jam, right? Absolutely. Can't help it. I think everybody is though, but you're on to the right point. Cause I mean, you know, kids, you go, you go to a room of kids, right? You go into a classroom and you got a bunch of five-year-olds and you know, you ask them all, okay, who can draw a dragon? You know, every one of their hands going to go up and they're like, I can draw a dragon. I can draw a dragon doing this, that, this, that. Dude, ask that same question to a room full of adults. Nobody will put their hand up. Right. Because they're all self-conscious. It's, it, there's no difference. Are you telling me that a five-year-old kid has creative potential, but an adult doesn't like that's absolutely both. The problem is unfortunately is that everybody becomes so self-conscious. They start second guessing what, what their motivation is, their instincts, our instincts are, I mean, everybody has creativity in them. Even doesn't matter if you're left brain, right brain. I mean, you know, there's something to be said about there's people who excel in, in, you know, uh, visual arts and there's people who excel in, um, programming engineers, but they're still creative. Engineers are creative. They do stuff with code that I, I couldn't even imagine. Right. It's just when they stop believing that, that they can do this stuff, that's the big difference. And like you said, that's, that's kind of the whole, what life does to everybody. It kind of, um, eats away at what their potential is. 
right? Everybody's got it in them. It's just, you know, they have to start believing that they can. And let me tell you, every one of those five-year-olds believes that they can draw a dragon, right? Even though, let's face it, some of them are good. Some of them, you have no idea what the hell they're drawing, <laughs> but they, but they all believe that they can. And that's, that's what gets lost, man. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. I wonder where that happens. Like at what point people lose that ability or at what point people lose the desire to just be creative. Just some are and some aren't, but yeah. we all are at the beginning. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think a lot of it becomes, um, you know, people are told they have to grow up, right? People are told that they can't, dude, I still wear, I still wear hats. I still wear, you know, I spend a certain amount of money on, you know, running shoes. I still dress like a 20 year old kid. And I'm probably that guy where all the kids are looking and laughing. Right. But the reality is I'm not willing to accept that there's a certain way that we have have to act, have to dress, have to, have to, you know what I mean? And this has been something, this has been a battle my entire life. And it, obviously it's going to be one that's going to take me to my grave, which is great. I'm happy about that. But, um, you know, like trying to fit into a mold that's only going to hold your potential back. I mean, that's, that sucks, dude. People should be able to express how they feel, express their creativity, express, you know, how they want to act as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, you know, don't worry. And I, and I think that's what happens is, um, everybody start, starts trying to fit in instead of just trying to enjoy Right. And I mean, again, we're, we're here for one ride, right? We have to make sure we enjoy it right to the very end. Amen to that. I think the beard, by the way, <laughs> I shaved my, I shaved my head yesterday. My wife's like, what you had here? It was like, <laughs> well, this is the same dude. <laughs> Man, I just like to take shit out of myself. Like I just shaved my head. Right. And she goes, it's kind of up there. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh. at this right. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I, I put a, I put a thing on my Instagram, uh, my Instagram story, right? I just put a picture and then found like a gif of a plane landing. <laughs> so like, oh, fucking we're in a lockdown and the airports are closed. So I create one of my head. <laughs> oh, jeez, That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And I said to her, so and I, I kind of, yeah, what do you reckon? I mean, me, 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 I'll kind of like it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go with that now and just go, you know, bald headed, but I kind of, you know, a bit of a beard and some tattoo, you know? And she's walking away. <laughs> yeah, and she's upset. Well, the beard's a cool thing. The tattoos thing is a very personal thing, right? That's that a that's a creative thing. Do you know I actually don't have a tattoo? I'm people are shocked that based on the industry I have, and I got the giant beard, and I've got you know ear pierced, and I'm wearing bling, and just 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 the way I live life, I'm just not tattooed. It originally started for something from my mom. <laughs> she didn't want me to ever get a tattoo and, you know, God bless that beautiful woman. I, I never did, but, um, and now I have the option, you know, sadly that I can, and I don't know if I want, cause it seems like everybody's got one now. So it, originally it was cool when I was young. Cause it was, you know, one in 10 people hadn't, it's like, Hey, that's, that's kind of cool. I want one. Well, now I think I kind of like the fact I don't have one because I think that might be almost more rare. <laughs> it's, it's that whole unique thing, you know? Absolutely. And just like you said, I mean. Everybody's got tattoos. I mean, you can fucking get drunk and get a tattoo in your shoulder or whatnot. But I mean, that like to me, I haven't got a tattoo at all. And I, I yeah. always thought like, if I was going to get one, it has to make a meaning, like a proper right. meaning, not just like name of my first girlfriend that I'm going to regret later, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I mean, for example, like this, right? Like picture of my son when he was still in the, still up. Oh, me. Like, great. What is it? Like, um, 12 weeks or Three something. Months? Yeah. All right. That, that's, that's probably a good meaning. That's probably a good meaning. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that's like really cool. <clears throat> creativity, right? I mean, we're talking about creativity here. Tattoo is an expression of art. 
expression of someone's creativity, expression of meaning. And so what do people generally don't know about when it comes to design? Oh, geez. What do they know? The, the actual meaning of the word, damn it. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, design has become an umbrella word. It means everything to everybody and something different. I think that's what half the challenge is. I mean, some people think design is just the way something looks, but it rarely has anything to do with how it looks. That's just the outcome. It's, it's how it actually works. Real design is about trying to solve a problem to make somebody's life better. That's ultimately what design means, right? And that's, that's what we do every day, right? But we do it in the commercial aspect. You know, that's why you have interior designers, you know, who are, who are there to try to help, you know, uh, form your, your house and, and provide this feng shui where kind of gives your life easier. And you have graphic designers who, you know, are trying to solve visual problems, right? You've got user experience designers who are trying to, you know, like, help create better journeys. Big difference between those. And let's say an interior decorator, right? That's just somebody who makes things look pretty. Or you've got a graphic artist, somebody who just makes something look better, right? There's people think they're the same thing, but they're so different. And I think that's the challenge right now in the whole marketplace is um, people have absolutely, you know, those terms are so confused that, you know, the, the term itself, design is so undervalued, underrated. And um, people don't, you know, truly understand what goes into being a designer. You're totally right. What I reckon, what I reckon design as a concept is, it could even just be the sound design. Like how do you design the podcast, how it design as a sound. So it provides a solution, um, solution being that it's more, uh, pleasant. It has, a, it has, a, it flows, um, or design of, um, of a program, like it's being designed in a particular way to, to, to function. Like it's so essentially design as a, as a term. If we wanted to like kind of think big, it's an expression of, uh, or it's a, it's a concept for solving problems. Hey. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, think of it this way. Actually, you know what, to, you're not wrong, you know, in what you're saying, but I think, um, the the, the difference is people think it's just a, a one word, but the reality is there's design the verb and there's design the noun, ah. right? So design the verb, the action to solve problems. Right. But what people usually associate design with is the noun, which is a website design or a podcast design or my, my, you know, social media post design this week. Right. So I think that's in part where the confusion is, but I mean, the reality is, um, it goes deep. I mean, there's a big question right now is, you know, are, our designers is graphic design, uh, a dying art form Are designers, you know, going to be gone and replaced by AI in the future. But the reality is designers will never go away regardless how far, you know, AI advances and, and where the industry goes, because designers still have that deep empathy to try to figure out what that problem is. And I mean, AI, as far as I know, and we deal with a lot of really amazing AI companies right now. Um, you know, it's nowhere near that. It, it, it can't feel, it can't, it can't empathize with something. And that's what a designer has over an artist, right? An artist does something for themselves to make the world better for themselves, where designers do things to make the world better for everybody else. So there is a difference, right? And, uh, and it's a big difference, but people take it for granted. Mm. That's mm. good. That's good to have that distinction in there. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Massimo, what inspired you to, to be a designer? So crazy, but, um, 
it's the only thing I've ever wanted to be in my entire life, which is the weird thing, right? I am one of the few, I, I am one of those lucky few that was blessed at a crazy young age to, to know what they wanted to do. I think I was 12 years old. There was this show on TV called Who's the Boss? It's a ridiculous show, but in, in the show, there's a Italian guy who used to be a boxer and he's the housekeeper for this successful advertising woman. And she used to do all these really cool pitches. She would go up in front of and say, here's your idea. You've got a problem to sell your product. Here's, and she's doing this. And I'm like, wow, I can do that. I want to do that. That looks cool. How the hell do I do it? So I knew I wanted to be, you know, in advertising. I knew I wanted to, to get into this space, but then it wasn't until I was about 14 years old. I was in grade nine. I was in high school and, uh, and I met an amazing teacher. So, you know, I, thankfully I, I do have high respect for teachers and, you know, we talked, she was the teacher for the graphic design program. She saw my art and she's like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I, I kind of want to get into advertising, but I don't know how. And she's like, your way into advertising and, and owning an agency is to be a graphic designer. She's like, you've got your segue. You're great at design. And I was just like, that's it. And my whole life changed at that point. Right. So, um, you know, she said, you know, do this, everything I started doing, which is funny. If you look at artwork, I have artwork when I was young and it's this, that, this, that, but when I hit 14 years old, all the artwork I did from 14 on was all, it was crazy. It was, a, it would be a school project and somehow I would turn it into an ad. If it was uh, another type of, you know, marketing project, I would turn it into a brand. Every single, you know, piece of art I had thereafter, somehow or another, I would throw in a logo. I would throw in it and I would make everything look like ads. Because to me, at a young age, I mean, it was art. It was commercial art, but to me, it was brilliant. So, you know, that, it, that started me down this road. And then um, I had, at 16 years old, I had, I was dating this girl and her dad sat us down and he was like, okay, guys, you know, I got, I got, I got something for you to do. I want you to write down on this piece of paper, a goal for 10 years. So in 10 years, you know, you're 16 now in 10 years, write down a goal, right? So mine was easy. I was like, you know what? In 10 years, I want to own an advertising agency. I want to have my own advert. That's what I want 10 years. So of course I lost that piece of paper, but I never, ever lost sight of that goal. And every decision I made from that point forward, either took me closer or further away from that goal, right? So I still had fun. I was still a teenager. I still had, you know, parties and crazy and rambunctious. But when I took a job, I would always think, is this going to take me closer to my goal or further, right? When I went to college, closer or further, right? Every decision. And sure enough, day before my 25th birthday, we started Z Factor. And uh, first thing I did is I called him up. I looked him up in the phone book. Of course, I wasn't with her anymore, but I still remembered him. And I was like, guess what? I just started my advertising agency. Do you want to be my accountant for this? Which is silly because I had no customer. Well, I did have some customers actually, but I think it was just more of a proud factor, right? It was like, dude, I did it. Thank you. And that was, um, it was an amazing piece of advice. And so I, I, so I, I can't stress enough that whole goal setting. I am a firm believer that if you write it down, you put it out in the universe. I mean, your mind is a goal seeking mechanism and it will subconsciously find a way to achieve that goal. You just actually have to physically Put it. You can't just think it. You've got it, but you write it down. You got to type it out. You got to save it somewhere. You got to be able to visualize that, and it, it'll find a way there. And that's and so that was my story from how I, you know, from a kid to starting this place. And it was uh, it was a riot. Oh, what a great ride! Um, and I love it. I'm like, so many takeaways from this. One, what I like is what we said is, um, you know, it's going to get me closer, or it's going to get me further. So many times we make decisions, um, let's say in business, about stuff that we want to do. 
you know, there's all the bells and whistles that we want to add on into like, for example, if it's our, you know, sales funnel or, you know, like what's going to help us to, you know, improve our conversion of a particular action, whether it be it's conversion from a lead to a sale or a conversion of a client actually reading something so they educate themselves better. And so it kind of makes us a bit more efficient, not have to save, uh, you know, waste our time to explaining everything to everyone ever over and over. Anyway, um, so, you know, what's going to get us closer and what's going to uh, get us uh, 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 quicker or too further? Uh, so important, right? So important to have that, what's that right next thing? Um, so that's like, that's that's so good. But the other thing you said is about goal setting. And, you know, the other day I went for, for a haircut, not this one, <laughs> a different haircut. <laughs> I was going to send you money back. <laughs> and, uh, and on the wall, it was this like old barbershop. And, um, and on the wall, there was this thing called, like if you, if you, if you believe it, if you dream it, it can, it can happen. And I just looked at him like, bullshit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, you can, if you can believe it, that's good. Like you've got to believe in something so that excites you. But like, if you just do that, you're not going to wake up one day and then it's there. That's bullshit. Like you have to set goals. Oh no. And yes, you do. You have to do the work. And I think that's the part that's missing these days. Everybody's scared to do the work. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Everybody sees that final product. Everybody sees, you know, oh shit, that dude started an agency at 25. Good. Yeah. What they didn't realize is I started, you know, at like 14 with, you know, art and design. I picked up and, and took a shitty job at like a photography studio just to learn, you know, or to sound sweep floors just so I could learn what their secrets were photography. Then, you know, I took all these bum jobs to learn how to sell. Right. And then, you know, I went to college and college was a tough grind because I was not that kind of student. Right. It, it, it was tough. And again, I'm stubborn. So listening to, you know, teachers tell you what you should do and you completely disagree. So that wasn't a good, but I mean, again, it was a struggle to get there. Right. But I got there. People only see that outcome, but they don't see the struggle behind that outcome. And that's, you know, one thing that I've come to realize and, you know, with dealing tech companies is like, overnight success takes 10 years, right? There's no such thing as it just happens, snaps overnight, right? Heck, even Bitcoin millionaires, right? Like, I mean, they didn't become millionaires because they bought Bitcoin at, you know, $50,000 a coin. They bought it when, you know, at one cent and they held it for, you know, 20 years. And that's how, it, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. And people are always looking for the easy way out. And you know what? There is no easy way. You need work. You need to set those goals. And you need to hit them. And as you hit them, you celebrate each one. And then when you get there, you can stand back and be like, hell yeah, I did this. It just feels better. So what were some of the toughest experiences that you had as, as you were launching and growing your agency? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I mean, there's been so many lessons, right? There's been so many lessons. I think the biggest lesson, um, if I can pass on advice to anybody else starting their own business, right? And starting a business out of passion, right? I learned everything I had to learn to become the best designer, to become the best marketer, right? To, to everything to hone my passion, my skill, I learned. What I didn't learn and what I didn't pay enough, uh, put enough value towards is the business of running a business, right? I never learned about, you know, anything to do with employees. I never learned about, you know, paying taxes, you know, saving. How do you pay? How do you balance, you know, receivables versus payables? So when I, you know, it, it's just, it was just some such basic stuff that I should have learned. And, you know, and I neglected to. 
And um, if anything, the first 10 years, it was just, it proved to be such a struggle. Not even, we'll say the first five, especially, right? It was, you know, growing my business, getting customers, right? Growing the brand, getting the brand, becoming better myself, becoming that person. But then I also had to learn, you know, how to, you know, um, pick up, uh, how, to, how to balance my books, right? How to actually get money to pay money, right? Because again, I'm all of a sudden, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a curing all these bills that I got to pay, not just for like heat and hydro, but then vendors, right? Because again, if, if we had to, you know, had a print job, right? I would, you know, have to pay the printer and get the money from the customer, but then the customers wouldn't pay for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days at time. There was so many business mistakes that it was just, it was a disaster, right? And, you know, even more so bad debt and how to handle that. Dude, one year, I think it was year number seven, okay, in business. And I mean, here, I was young. I was, I was like not even 30 at that point. And I had to write off over $40,000 in bad debt just because, you know, you want it to work. You take any sort of job. You kind of look the other way. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, you need an extra cup of no problem. And you keep making these excuses because you want the job so bad. And in the end, they're just deadbeats who don't even pay. Like, I, I don't think of any of that dad, bad debt that I took on. Um, none of it was because the companies failed or, or went bankrupt. It was because they were just deadbeats and they took everything from us and, um, and they put nothing else out there. And you don't learn this, right? Like, again, you're, you're, so my only issue is I was, I was doing a business out of passion. I loved what I did for a living, right? I loved what I did. And, um, and so I would look the other way and all these practical business things that I shouldn't be. And it affected me in the end, right? Because I wanted so bad for every single, you know, interaction to work. So of course, afterwards, you learn ways around it, right? You learn to be a little bit more of a hard ass. You start making them put deposits down and stuff. But this is the kind of stuff you don't learn. And it drove me nuts. And the funny thing is I was, um, you know, I was a bold kid when I started, I would go to other agencies and ask for advice. I would call up the owners of other agencies. I'd be like, Hey, I just started this business. You know, do you want to meet? And I'd love to ask you questions. I didn't think anything of it. Right. Some, <laughs> some met, some didn't, but nobody gave me practical advice. It's if anything, they were just probing. Right. Which yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, now on the internet, it make, the internet definitely makes it a lot easier for that. Right. But back then, you know, the internet was just barely on anybody's radar. So, um, you know, I never got any of that, you know, formal training, formal advice. And I just how much headache I could have focused so much more time on staffing and, and figuring out debts and figuring out how to like balance budgets and stuff and, and how to, you know, pay, what is it? Rob from one to pay the other, do the Robin Hood game to, to keep everybody happy. I wish, I wish I learned that. Because then I think, um, you know, I think it would have made it a lot easier. Yeah. Nonetheless, it still did. It did fine. But I mean, that was a headache. You worked it out at the end, but yeah, you could have had a shortcut if if you you wouldn't have minded to have a shortcut. eh? Um, But you know what I reckon it is like, so German, it's, it's, it's the thing, right? You know, like some people, they start a business and, and they've got it nailed from the beginning and they're like in it to make money. Yeah, then the, but then there's other people that do it out of passion, and you're you're the second category. So you're passionate. You had those yeah. customers. You were passionate about design. You were passionate about what they needed, and you were happy to go the extra mile because of your passion for the design. Um, but obviously, it had its consequences, right? Like you had, like yeah. you said, you had yeah. oh, that that beats taking advantage of you, man. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. You're you're so right, though. I there's two kinds of business people. Like you know, there's there's people who try to make a business out of passion, right? And that's 100% where I was. And again, um, didn't have the business, you know, chops, those I had to learn, but I had enough passion 
for the industry. I had enough creativity. I had, I had enough, you know, grit and, and determination to make it work. So that took me one way. You got these other business people, like you said, um, they're just business people. You, they could go sell water. They could sell, you know, services. They could sell a cleaning company. Like, it doesn't matter what they do. But like you said, they're focused on bottom line on that dollar. I, I have a lot of respect for those people. You know, it's just like these the people that you see turn companies into like, you know, $100 million companies in five years and good on that, right? That's a whole other skill set. Yeah. I reckon that's what needs to happen. Like if, you, if you're starting a business because you're passionate about solving a problem, that to me, it's like probably the best motivation to it. But if you can get somebody like a financial kind of a CFO, like somebody, get a partner. That's that's gonna be that shark who's gonna be looking and watching the money, right? Because yep. it's it's hard to do both. And and I, I'm I'm the culprit. Like I've 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 had the same thing. Like I've been passionate about running my own PT business, but I wasn't looking at that financial side uh, side of things as much as I should have. And so you either I mean, well, you got two options. You can you can come to realization after many years of going through a painful process of losing a lot of money and and you know realizing that you know ten years later. Or um, learn that um, skill so that you can, and it might not be something that you enjoy doing, but you know, you kind of like, you have to, I mean, by having a good management on your financial side of business, you will actually grow faster. Therefore, you'll be able to mm-hmm. do more and solve more of those problems that you're passionate about doing. Maybe that's, maybe that, maybe, maybe that, that's the, that's the secret sauce in there. And then the solution is everybody will find a solution, whether it's hire someone or invest in your own education or whatnot. It's funny though, because when you go looking for that advice, people give you the, 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 the easy answer, right? But nobody tells you how to get to that point. And that was, that was the frustrating part. I would go out and meet with these other agents. People, I was thinking, wow, you know, like he was so nice. He gave me an hour of his time, but he didn't really give me any practical advice. He didn't really see anything, right? He almost did it for his own sake, just to kind of get an idea of who, who else. And I mean, that, that really sucks. I have to say. Yeah, it's the same. Like he gives you the what, he doesn't give you the how. Right. That's exactly it. He gives me the end result, but not how to actually get, you're 100% right. Yeah. Wow, that's actually brilliant. The what, not the how. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so there needs to be more of that. <laughs> that is, uh, Massimo, I'm, I'm interested, uh, interested in this. <clears throat> when is the last time you put yourself outside outside your comfort zone on purpose. Shit, dude, starting our podcast, you know, hundred percent starting the podcast, starting the angry designer podcast was totally put us out into the, and I'll tell you why. So, um, I'm confident in what I do, right? I, I, I totally know my business. I know my space. I'm great with my customers. Right. So when it comes to anything with what I do for a living for a customer, that's easy peasy, right? It's the angry designer podcast is not for my customers. It's not for people. That's, that's actually for other designers. And I have never put myself out there in front of other designers. So it's funny, although I would never, ever say that I ever suffered from, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, in my space, I know my space. I'm pretty damn comfortable, you know, and confident with that. Um, confident, sorry, a little humble, but not, you're not arrogant about it. Um, but when it comes to putting yourself out, you know, on a place like the internet, um, you know, yeah, two people, you know, especially to like designers who are very critical just by nature, right? Man, that was, that was hard. And that was scary as hell, like totally scary. Like, and, and, um, you know, for the first, you know, we fumbled, 
you know, we actually, you know, I remember uh, my, my co-host and I, we, you know, we had a couple pre-glasses of whiskey just to get comfortable enough to do it that first time. Because what we were doing, um, very much in my nature, but what we were doing is, is we were kind of saying, screw it to everybody else out there and doing it our way, right? Like, I mean, this industry, you know, the design industry can be really um, arrogant, very pretentious, you know, designers on a hold sometimes don't make people think, oh, hey, I like, the, you know, the, they're cool people. They're not. Everybody thinks of like the typical Steve Jobs looking, you know, turtleneck, big, thick glasses who, you know, who's very snobby and arrogant and, and talking riddles. And that's very much what, sadly, the design industry is represented like, but that's not what we're like, right? There's this whole other side of designers, which are people who just, they love their craft. We almost treat them more like a blue collar environment. You know, we're not in it to try to, you know, make the most amount of money with the least amount of work. We're legitimately out there, you know, doing things for the right reason. And so we call out this bullshit. We call out these kind of, you know, designers. We call out the crap that you read online that all the, the what's on how to do it, but not, or all the what, but not the hows, right? We're calling that out and saying that's not necessary. Like there's an easier path to success here, right? And so that's 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 why we started this podcast. And that was a little scary because I mean I was I was basically going against my people, right? Yeah. And um, you know, and again, and, and my people, that niche as we were growing became smaller and smaller because we're realizing, you know, that it's a small group of you know experienced designers who like listening to us, and then even more so, you know, designers who feel the same way, who you know feel vindicated by listening to our episodes, right? The sad part is in, in our space. Um, so you'd think after being, you know, a designer for 20 years, you know, just like artists, right. You'd be at the top of your career. You'd think that, wow, this is, I'm most creative now after 20 years, I, I've got this under, under, you know, and everybody wants to work at it with us. But the reality is, you know, um, at 40, you know, and above like less than 25% of the designers out there are 40 and above. Like it just drops, they disappear. They've had it with the industry over 50, less than 5%. And I mean, that's the part that drives, and it's not that they've moved up, it's they've abandoned the space, right? They've had too much with the industry. They've had too much of, you know, the ages and people assuming that, you know, because they're old, they're, they need to get out or, or because they can't keep up with the technology, right? So that's frustrating. And then of course, burnout is a big thing in our race, you know, and, and the, the industry is moving so fast. So there's all these reasons and, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking because, you know, I mean, I remember at. 20 years in the business and I was almost going to fold, you know, hands down. I was almost going to fold. I remember, um, we had a little bit of a, you know, kerfuffle in here. We had some employees that were just kind of making things miserable, you know, and, and then we had some customers that went sideways and I'm like, wow, you know what? Like right now is a good time to just pack it in. I'm young enough. I can try something else. I've, you know, I've got nothing to prove. I've done this for 20 years. Good enough. Um, and then it was like, fuck no. Right. Because it's like, there's no way that I am going to let what has happened around me dictate my future. And if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go to my terms. So if anything, it just made me more angry. Right. And it made me dig deeper and just that much more become the person, the agency that have the beliefs that we do. And, and that's kind of where this podcast came. Cause you know, right now it's like, we, we want to reach out to those people. We want designers to, you know, hear our stories and, and hear the, the things that we think are ridiculous in the space and stick around you know, in this space and have a good 20 year career. Don't bail after 10, 15 years. So that was the uncomfortable part, I think, because again, it was, it was going against a group that I knew and I loved, or at least I thought I loved, but the reality is when I went to these networking events and I met other designers, 
man, two thirds of them, I don't even want to talk to Cause I mean, they were just so full of their own bullshit. It was just, I'm just like, uh, I'm okay with it now. So I'm good with it between you and me and everybody else who's listening. I'm okay with that. I love it, man. I love it, Massimo. You're, you're very passionate about this and, and, uh, and it speaks hard, you know, that's, it's, um, so many takeaway points, like we could expand in, we could talk about, we could, you know, and so many different topics we could segue off what you just said, you know, into niching or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it, it, I love it, man. I love it. And, and like, you know, there's, there's too much ego. Like if, if we talk about on that, right, there's too much ego, like people who have too much ego, like they're the ones that will always be, you know, criticizing and kind of like trying to protect that little thing inside them or, you know, absolutely. I, I absolutely love what you do with, with, with your mate, with the podcast. I, I, what I like about it, especially it's like, it's, it's super focused on design and like, I didn't, I, that's the thing. I don't, I don't live, I don't live in that world. I'm not a designer, right? I'm, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if I need to, I might whip something up in, <laughs> on Canva, but that's pretty much the, yeah, everybody's a designer, right? <laughs> but what I like about your podcast is I went onto it and I'm like, holy shit, like he's got a podcast specifically about design. Like how much can you talk about design? And I start looking at your episodes. I'm like, holy shit. And I looked like the, the recent one, it was about, uh, I think we'll talk about Pfizer, the new logo of Pfizer. Oh my God. I know. Right. The new fight, like what a waste of money. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, wow, this is so good. This is so good. So like anybody out there, guys listening, like, I mean, I've got no, you know, there's no fear factor here or me. Like if, if you guys love, love design, like go, go and go and listen to Massimo's podcast because it's incredible. Like if you want to dig deep on design ridiculously awesome thanks i guess there's no better podcast about design that i've that i've come across yet so really well done well, well done thanks. with you thank you brother the branding is amazing uh angry designer the whole branding and i mean your whole agency i mean i just looked at your agency um you know a week before i was preparing for this podcast i looked at your your website and how you basically present yourself uh and and present you at the company your company what you guys do um, solving those problems for these different companies from design perspective. Um, absolutely yes. love it. You know, I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about that process as well. Um, mm -hmm. and it's got to slide back into the subject matter of design. Of course. What's, um, what's the, the one thing that I've, I've realized when it comes to a logo, let's talk about logo design or brand. Sure. The, is there's so much more that goes into it than I've ever realized. I, I, um, yeah. Four or five years ago, I was considering a bit of a rebrand of my old um, uh, fitness business. Yes. And I met this guy from Brazil, like really good designer. We went for, a, we, we, we caught up for, for a coffee and, and instead of him like just trying to like, you know, like just going straight to the chase, he's like, he's asked me questions that I'm like, what? Why are you asking me that? I mean, I, I thought we we're going to meet about, you know, you like create a new logo. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Like this is, this is maybe if you go on uh, on a Fiverr and you want something done for 20 bucks, no, no, no. Like if you want to think big, you need to approach the brand as a, yep. as your most valuable asset. Think about Coca-Cola, think about Apple, think about these kind of brands. What, what logo will represent is not just a visual that people look at. There's a much more bigger meaning. And then. He asked me a bunch of questions. We, we sat down for my 30 minutes. Um, he gathered some, some intel on, on, on where I'm going with the company and what's the purpose, yeah. what I'm doing. And he came back a week later with a PDF, like slick printed PDF, 20 page. 
And he flipped pages and he's like, so here's what I've done. Like, based on what you told me, like, I kind of pictured this, this animal and then I pictured this thing and then like this and this and then like all these different abstract objects that kind of align in a way into the narrative of what you want your brand to represent. And then based on all these, I started to then merge them and then, and then, and then you go to like, you keep flipping, you keep flipping and like, and I, got page, going. I got to page 15 and like, boom, and here's the logo and here, and, and, and this is what, this culmination of all these different abstract movements. Like, wow, that's amazing. That's a good story. Absolutely. That's amazing. So tell, tell, tell me more, tell me more. What, why, why is there this process? Let's expand so, for the listeners. So again, he is right in the sense of hundred percent that if somebody just wants a logo, first off, people don't even understand. They undervalue the logo. They go to the place like Fiverr or, you know, PPH or, or 99 designs. And I mean, again, like we talked earlier, that's, that you're not getting a designer there. You're getting an artist who's going to slap together a couple images, a couple colors. They're going to throw some, you know, fancy effects on there and give you something and charge your money for it. Right. That is in no way going to represent you, your company. It doesn't do you any justice, you know? And, um, and that's the big problem, right? Because people are starting at the end. I mean, a brand is more than just the logo, but that's, you know, the common misconception. Everybody thinks the brand starts with the logo, but it, it starts in the whole discovery process, right? Because if you're not careful, right, your brand, ultimately you can lay out what your brand is, what your brand is for, what you believe in, right? But there, there have in the end, it's going to be up to the people who interact with you, your company. They're the ones who will charge of your brand. You can try to set the parameters, right? You can say, I can put the, I can put it out there and tell the whole world, you know what? I'm going to be the most creative, you know, uh, advertising agency. And we're always going to be polite and, and we're going to be professional. And we're always going to, you know, like we're only doing fortune 500, blah, blah, blah. And I can set all these parameters. But as soon as somebody starts dealing with me and they realize, whoa, this guy dropped the F-bomb today. Whoa, this guy, you know, is a little bit different. Oh, he's li- this. They're going to start formulating their own idea of what a brand is, right? And that was something, that was one of the biggest lessons I think I learned in this industry that I always thought you could, you could pitch your brand. You can say what your brand is. You can pick your colors. You can, you know, you can pick your font choice. And, but really that's just your, you know, facade of what you're hoping your brand is going to be. But the reality is your brand is going to be what everybody else says about you, what their actions are, how they interact with you, how they deal with you, right? Um, that's the scary part, right? I can tell you, if, if I tell you, you know, close your eyes, man, and and I'm going to tell you that I am a six foot five, you know, African-American, you know, basketball player, and I can slam dunk every time. And then you open your eyes and see that I'm a short little white Italian guy who can't dribble for the life of me. I just, I just totally fooled you. And you're always going to remember that. You're going to be like, that dude told me he was an awesome basketball player and he can't even dribble, right? So all of a sudden, that's my brand. So the reality is you have to set what that standard is and you have to make sure you live up to that promise. And, and that's it because ultimately, if you don't live up to that promise, then unfortunately, your brand is going to be, it's going to be a flop. It's going to be a fail, right? And so that's why, you know, when he's talking to you and asking you questions about you and this and that, he's trying to, you know, we're trying to gauge and during the discovery process, you know, what you're actually about. You can tell me what you want to think you are, but this is what you're actually about. And that's, that's the difference between, right? Then we start unpacking the brand from back forward. And then the final thing, of course, is going to be logo. It's going to be the identity around your logo, which is a huge part, of course, right? But there's so much more to it than that. You know, I always thought that we were, you know, um, one kind of company, but in the past, you know, like six, seven years, I, our brand has really come through that we excel in technology because we're passionate about technology and we 
you know, we apply a design methodology thinking, you know, empathetic approach to, to technology and, and we make it easy for people. So that's one thing we're known for. But the other thing that we're known for, which is hilarious and is very much part of our brand is we get shit done ultimately, right? Our customers know, you know, they call us that sometimes there's two, three other agencies in the mix and they're like, you know what? We're bringing this to you because we know you're going to get it done. Some of these other people will sit and think about it and they're insecure and they're going to take weeks and blah, 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 blah. We know if we give this to you, we're getting it back in a week's time. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect the first time. That's why we're, that has become our brand so much so that I think, you know, I can tell people all the time we're a niche agency that focuses on tech, but the reality is more of our customers know us as the get shit done company. And they come to us because they know they need something that has to get out in time, right? So, so it's funny, right? We're thinking we're one way, but our actions and our passions and the way we treat our customers are very much the other way. Both are good, you know, but um, yeah, it's, so like I said, your brand is kind of a, you know, in charge of, you know, uh, everybody else, as long as, as long as you do deliver the promise you do, you could call that your brand. I like what you said. I, I was literally ahead of my tongue. I was going to say facade, the word mm -hmm. because that is, that's literally, it's like, like you said, is here's what you want your logo to look like, like you and, 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 and oftentimes it's the ego talking, right? You're like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go on Fiverr and just going to get somebody to do this. Yeah. 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 Like look really cool and like sharp edges and like some freaking eagle and shit. And then you slap it on your website and like, and then you say, this is what we do. And this is, it's all yeah. going, but you're totally right. It's the facade. It's the facade. And it may not be honest to what, yeah. you, what you, what you truly, what you're true. Your people's perception of their brand is often completely different than what their brand actually is good or bad. Right. And that's why these days, and it is so important to make sure, um, you know, that you're like, you know, on everybody's good books, that you're making sure your reviews are good because right now, I mean, now more than ever, you know, customers have the, the power to, to like trust your brand and turn it overnight, like overnight disaster, not just overnight success, but overnight disaster can happen with, you know, one really bad action. Right. And that would spread, that would spread through wildfire. So that's why people have to be really honest with them, um, you know, what their brand is and what they're prepared to make their brand about. Let's, be, let's expand on that. What does brand means? It's not just the logo, yeah. right? I mean, you, you do tech stuff. So you're talking about user, user experience, how things are visually represented on the website. What else? Yeah, no, no, no. Good, good question. So uh, brand is, is obviously there's the visual brand, right? The more consistent your brand is, you know, um, you know, visually then, but that's only the recollection part. That's only what people, you know, visually recall your brand about, right? Ultimately, in the end, your brand is a total of all the actions your customers have with your company, your uh, customer service people, your product. Ultimately, that's your brand. And that's what sucks, right? So, you know, and, that, and that's everything from like the people, um, the people at the front lines. That's how they deal with your sales force. That's how they deal with your, um, you know, somebody who's pitching them and they're showing a PowerPoint. Your website, often what happens is, you know, people's, they'll have one logo on their website. They'll have another logo on their business card, another one in a pitch deck presentation, right? So right away, people are confused. Your, you know, your, your brand identity is fragmented, right? So that's where, you know, the logo plays in, but then comes the messaging, right? Sometimes your website's saying one thing and, um, you know, your, your website's saying one thing, your pitch deck's saying another, but then a customer service rep believes this about your brand. So again, your brand becomes fragmented, right? So again, 
the reality is you've got brand identity, which is the visual parts that, you know, everybody's used to seeing and feeling. But again, the reality is your brand is bigger than that. And it is a total of all the interactions people have with your company. So just because as a business owner, if you're thinking you just, you know, you're going to make sure your customer service is great. Okay. But what about your product? You know, how's that? What about your, your delivery process? How's that? What's your pipeline like, right? There's so many other parts to your brand that people don't realize that are equally just as important as just, you know, the visual aspect. So I think that's the part where people don't necessarily, uh, they take for granted how deep, how big that brand actually goes. And it takes years, years to build, but it can also take minutes to destroy. So I think that's, that's the crazy part, right? You have to deliver that promise. I love it, man. You just dropped the, I don't like to use the, the term value bomb because I know another podcast that uses a lot. So I don't want to feel it sound like a coffee cup, but you have, man, you have dropped the absolute value bomb right now, but cool. there's always a but, hey, the question that some listeners might be asking is how, how do you do it? If you're starting out and you haven't got the cash, if you haven't got the cha-ching, because what we're talking about here, this process obviously is not, I mean, like we said, you know, you can go on Fiverr and pay somebody 20 bucks, but you're going to get what you're going to get. And yep. I know that this is, we're talking about much bigger sort of a, a, a price point to get it right, because there's a lot more that goes into it. So what would be your recommendation to somebody that's, you know, starting from scratch, they haven't got the budget, they haven't got the money. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think the first thing that people, and we're talking about, just to be clear, are we talking about uh, business-wise brand or are we talking about logo or your brand identity? Where, where, where do we want to talk here? What generally people want when they start, when they want to launch something is the logo. So they just want to start with the logo, right? Okay, fair enough. So logo, obviously very important. So when we approach logos, right? And on our podcast, although we do, we do uh, episodes called Dope or Nope, all right? And where we will actually review new um, redesign logos from companies. So that Pfizer example that we talked about, you know, recently there was also one on Calendly, right? Which was a joke. Okay. You want to, you want to, that's a heartbreak. Cause I mean, again, they got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars down in investment and they went out and created a horrible logo, which I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. And it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Right. Which is incredible. But what they did is they ran out, they got an award-winning designer who, who, you know, created this idea and it was so, um, you know, light and airy and, and it was so like a facade and it, it didn't work for them. Right. It doesn't work for them. It, it, it's clueless. So we make, we've made fun of it. We say it actually looks like a, an ovulation app. Because <laughs> it looks like a uterus and this is the, this is so you know what, and what time for sex use Calendly. But needless to say, when we, when we review um, logos and we do this internally, when we develop logos, right, we give ourselves five key tenants to stick to. All right. And so first off, when creating a logo, right, if people follow these five things, it'll last them for years. And that's what you want. You don't want to keep updating your logo every, every two years, three years, because a new trend came along. Right. Cause again, don't do that. So um, five things. So simplicity, um, minimal. As long as people follow these five things, you know, their logo will work. It'll make sense, right? So again, logo needs to be simple. It needs to be minimal. It needs to be iconic. It needs to be relevant and it needs to be timeless. So simple. Okay. Number one, simple. A logo only has to tell one thing. Okay. What happens? People, they try to make a logo, tell their whole life story from when they were a kid to when they started their business. And the reality is people aren't going to remember that. 
So it needs to be so simple that when somebody looks at it, they get it. Okay. So that's the simplicity part of a logo. It has to be minimal. And what we mean by minimal, they sound the same, but they're different. <clears throat> minimal means, you know, don't worry about the drop shadows. Don't worry about the gradients. Don't worry about the fancy effects. Because if your logo needs to incorporate all these extra effects, it fails, right? It's, it's like you can, you know, you, you can put, you know, all the, all, you can put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig, right? So that's where we're saying, you know, keep it as minimal as possible. And if it works that way, then it'll work in all areas, right? Number three, it needs to be iconic. So again, if you follow one and two easy enough, then number three should be fine. It needs to be something that's recognizable that people will, will understand after a while, even without the name, right? Uh, many examples of that. Yeah. Many Apple, for example, right? Right. Like incredible. Number four, relevant. And this is key. All right. So, you know, if, uh, if you're starting a, a chain of, um, vegan fast food restaurants, right. You don't want your logo to look like a chicken because that's just not going to work. Right. It doesn't appeal to your audience. Your logo has to be relevant to your target market. Right. If your target market is, you know, automotive, automotive enthusiasts, then make sure they get that logo. Make sure it's something, make sure it's something that that's relevant to that group of people, to your audience, your target market. Right. And then last but not least, timeless. All right. And this is the biggest mistake. When you look on places like Fiverr, 99designs, and they're creating all these logos out there, right? They're just picking the latest trends and they're throwing them together really quick. But the problem is if you create a logo that's trendy or it uses a trendy font or it uses a new trendy technique, dude, in two, three years, it's going to be outdated and you're going to look like you have an outdated logo, right? You're going to be switching your logo every few years, which is only going to hurt your brand's recognition right? The identity part. Because if now every three, four years, you got to change that logo because it, it always keeps looking outdated. You're not doing yourself any favors. So simplify, you know, don't follow any trends. Don't pick a trendy font, pick something that you know will last five, 10, 20 years, and will still look just as good as it did today. So, you know, logos like the FedEx logo, there's nothing on that logo that looks trendy. Look at Porsche. That hasn't changed forever, right? Moen, look at that. Like, I mean, all these high brands, the best, most recognized brands in the world, you know, have used the same logo for 20, 30 years because they're minimal. They follow all these things. There's nothing trendy about them, but that's what makes them beautiful. So that's what you follow those five points, simplicity, minimal, iconic, relevant, timeless. When you're building your logo, it'll last you and it'll do you fine. You won't have to keep redoing that. I love it, man. I love it. Let's go some examples. What's the example of a timeless one? Uh, An example of a logo that wouldn't be timeless. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, look at all the software companies that keep changing their logos every few years. <laughs> Calendly, for example, is totally not. So hmm. um, recently, we also did the Pfizer one, which we mentioned originally, right? So Pfizer was doing an amazing thing. They had this word mark, right? That has more or less been the same word mark now for 50 years, right? And it wasn't crazy sexy. It wasn't, I mean, but it's Pfizer. We're talking about a pharmaceutical company that you want to rely on. You don't want that to look too trendy, right? So um, the logo has more or less stayed the same for the past 50 years. Now, in the middle of this whole, you know, pandemic across the world, they decide to launch a new logo and they claim that they want to be more science-based. Okay. So first off, it's a fucking pharmaceutical company. I hope science has always been part of their, I hope. Okay. So the fact that they put that kind of crap out there and expect people to buy it, it blows me away. So first off, you know, big fail there. But then number two, 
now they, they, they took their logo, they changed it and they, they made it look like, you know, they reading into it and they're saying it's, it's just an abstract version of a helix. And when people look at it, it looks like it's emotion. Well, they're trying to explain it for so damn long that nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to care. Right. And they haven't done their brand any sort of justice. Like I have no idea why. And they've, and, and what they've done is they actually chose two generic shapes that are used everywhere. You can find these shapes on, you know, on Fiverr all the time or on 90 day design. They're everywhere. Are you, any stock photography or stock vector companies using these. And it's, it's a shame because now their logo is going to look outdated in about three to five years. It's going to be just out. And I have no idea why they actually went down this road. You know, they're claiming it, it allows them all this digital blah, blah, blah. But the reality is um, you have to be exposed to those digital elements. You have to see those videos. You have to see those recordings in order to take full advantage of it. Ultimately, they've changed their logo to something that looks really trendy now, and it's going to do nothing but hurt the brand. So big, you know, big mistake in our part. Uh, another one, which is hilarious, GM. We covered that one as well, right? General Motors. So General Motors had a logo. It wasn't glamorous by any means for the past 50 years, but everybody knew it. It was one of those logos like, you know, like Ford and like Coca-Cola that, you know, you can close your eyes and you know, you know, you've seen it on the front of a truck or, or whatever, right? Everybody globally would recognize it. Well, you know, now they want to go into, you know, um, you know, EV, a new platform. They want to take battery technology and they've changed their logo and it looks like a software company now. They've kind of, they've taken this capital G, capital M, you know, this strong, bold, you know, American truck company and they've now made it soft and, you know, light and I, you know, I, their, their trucks aren't electric driven trucks. I mean, there's so many things wrong with, so these are logos that I'm not sure why some of these companies are going with these trendy logos, right? And again, you see it time and time again, they're going to just keep updating them and keep updating. It's a shame, actually. I'm just looking at it now. Right? They've got colors in there and, and uh, gradients. That's weird. Right. right. Exactly. Especially because the whole world's going flat. So I don't even know why. We always recommend staying away from that. You know, unless there's a reason it's in a video or you want it to look 3D, but not for a corporate logo. And then again, I don't understand even why they underline just the M. Well, what happened there, right? Because they're, you, you know, I'm looking at now, and you know what it looks like? The first thing that screams at me, it looks like more like a legal, like a legal, like a well, logo yeah. for like some legal company, not for, for a car company. That's interesting. Right. So what can these companies do? So obviously they, they feel like, okay, we, in this example, like, okay, we're moving into electric, you know, electric. Um, so we kind of need something that represents that division would would perhaps be a better strategy to not change what the core logo that's been there for many many years is and maybe yep. just create a maybe a sub logo for that division a sub brand right which happens a lot right a sub brand or in a case like gm possibly um they should have kept their gm logo the same but what they could have done is actually branded a platform or a technology that they've spearheaded and are using within their brand, right? So, you know, it'd be like almost like if Tesla was branding their batteries as, you know, something separate that goes inside their vehicles. I think that would have been a better strategy for GM to approach it that way. Because what they've done, sadly, is, is they've really kind of diminished. They've really softened their look. It's not the same big, strong car company that, you know, you know, they're known for trucks. Eh, it's not, it doesn't really feel like a truck logo anymore, does it? So I get it if they want to like embrace, you know, the future is, is, you know, 
battery powered or what have you. But, you know, there's other ways to have done this, not necessarily change the whole corporate brand because that whole, you're really committing to something big there, right? It's one thing they could have like, they have a new platform, which is the reasoning why they want to do this, but they could have easily just branded that platform as, you know, a secret ingredient, kind of like the Intel inside, right? Um, that kind of idea. So yeah, sadly in that case, they dropped the ball. Um, sub brands are okay. Companies can kind of get a little out of control with sub brands, right? Cause uh, then it's like, you know, you're one company that just has all these, you, uh, you see this with like, you know, um, the Johnson and Johnson's of the world that have like 30, 40 different products underneath them. Right. Well, all of a sudden this is, this is a house of brands, right? But then you have Google, which has all these products underneath it, right? Where they're, They've got, um, you know, Gmail and they've got, you know, the calendar logos and they've got the docs and the Google business suites. They got all these suites, but they're all still embracing the Google look feel, right? So that's more of a branded house type of approach. And so cost efficiency, it's better as well. Think so. And brand recognition, it's better too, right? Because you don't have to market everything separately at this point, right? So in that case, it's, you know, there are cases for both, but, uh, you know, often a lot of the logos that we see, um, you know, when we review logos, we always end the same way, right? Do you feel that this logo is a natural evolution of the company, right? Like if a company progresses, it's now 30, 50, hundred years old, new markets. Is this logo the next, you know, evolution evolving in the right direction? Or is it a complete departure from what they've done, right? And that's two very, so that's, we talk about the fork in the road. Is it taking you closer or further away? And where we're seeing, it's great when you see the evolution. Right. You see something taking it to that next level. Cool. Right. That's that's what you'd expect. That's what a logo should do is evolve with the company over the years. But a lot of times in situations like this, when, you know, they basically fail across the board, it's like they're trying to be a different company altogether. And that's that's where you want to stay away from. It's okay for a logo to evolve with the company. Um, but, you know, in situations it's like what we see happen with Calendly or GM, it's just that hurts companies. That hurts some bad. And I mean, across the board. People make fun of their logos, you know? Yeah. Maybe after a while people will accept it, but the reality is, you know, you work so hard, you know, to build that brand, to build that recognition, to own that, you don't want it to just overnight kind of just blow it all up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much we could talk about. I mean, a good example be, um, Coca-Cola, right? You look at Coca-Cola logo where they were the first iteration was like, it kind of looked like more like a kid, kid did it. But it yep. was, but it was already a good starting point, and like it just keeps evolving. It's a great logo. It's a great logo. Yep. You talk about value, like, like these these companies, the value of that logo goes in gazillions of dollars, right? But Absolutely. what, what a way to like devalue that such in 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 a in a split second, you devalue it again. just by, a, a, and it's just a, I mean, it's a thin air. It's a fucking graphic. It's just a graphic. Like the, the actual cost of doing the actual like once you have. But once you know what it needs to look like, the actual doing of the graphic design of it, that's a day job, right? It's it's yep. where the where the work is 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 in the thought process of it. And what a way to devalue that in a split second, in a one day of somebody just spit that out and make a PR announcement. Exactly. Oh, dude. And again, and that's detrimental to a brand. So when we talk about, you know, it can take 50 years to build a brand and literally one year to ruin it. And that's what happens in situations like this, right? You, you have to be careful. You, you have to, and that's where that, that whole, the brand promise is something that everybody should take seriously, you know, like mission, vision. Okay. I get it. It's something, you know, a lot of companies still put mission, vision statement together. Um, and I get that. And I see the value in that. 
But what people aren't spending enough time in is that brand promise. And that's, you don't have to show that to anybody, but you need to live and breathe it and internally, right? And, you know, if you, your brand promises that you promise to always deliver, you know, logos that customers can keep for 20 years, best customer service. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to be so happy. They're going to keep you for life, right? That's your brand promise. And you have to figure out ways on how to deliver that. But if your actions are different, if you're, if you're then spitting out trendy logos, you know, you piss customers off all the time, you know, and they never come back to you. Well, you know what, it's kind of full of shit, right? So I think companies, you know, especially when they start, you know, focus in on what that brand promise you want to deliver and make sure every part of your company is delivering on that promise, right? Remember like um, Zappos, right? You ever heard of Zappos, that, that, that shoe company, one, like one of the first online shoe e-commerce companies? Yeah, what happened to them? I haven't heard about it for a while. So they got bought out. Um, they got bought out by Amazon and, um, you know, good for them though. Like great stories. I think it was Amazon. Wait, let me just double check. Because I know that they were famous for amazing customer experience. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So Amazon bought out Amazon. So you're absolutely right. So their brand 100% was based on outstanding, remarkable customer experiences, right? They wanted to provide customer service unlike anything to the point, to the point, right? Where their longest customer service phone call was over eight hours. Okay. So customer calls in, right? Their problem was solved. Apparently it was like within 12 minutes, right? It was solved, done, right? But they still stuck on another seven hours, 45. They started talking about this. They started talking about, they started. And the thing is, okay, granted that person told, they didn't get in trouble. They were, they were rewarded. They were heroes, right? Because again, you know, that person, number one, they're going to go and tell somebody about that. They're just like, I just spent eight hours on a customer support call. And it was the best call of my life, right? We talked about this, that life, whatever, right? The PR that went around that. And again, they promised this insane customer service experience. And that's what they always delivered. Dude, well, I think there was actually a story um, where the owner at an early, at an early part, right? I guess somebody bought a pair of shoes and the shoes didn't go out as they were supposed to. So they were going to be delivered late and it was four hours away. So what he did is the owner threw him in his car, drove four hours and personally delivered him because he was so crazy about customer service. And, and I mean, again, they lived and breathed that, right? To the point where that's what they were known for. And they were sold for what? Like a billion dollars? Like, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's a great example of, uh, yeah, representing. I'm not sure if that logo represents that, but it's what it did was. Yeah. Um, well, it was dated. That's for sure. <laughs> man, we could talk so much more about design, so much more. But unfortunately, we're constrained to the to the format here. I, I do I do have that promise to everybody that it's. That's all right, brother. An hour or so. Um, I think we're a little bit over, but that's okay. Um. You know, we could always have a, a take to you in a, in a few months time. Um, oh, geez. Anytime. If you get a topic, I would be glad to come back and talk to you, man. This is awesome. Yeah, man. I, I truly enjoyed it. So on the parting, on the, on the ending of this, um, what would be the, what would be the top three, uh, takeaways that you'd like the listener to, to really sort of, uh, um, walk away with after listening today? Hmm. Top three. Well. I mean, the first thing I think, um, you know, if anybody can remember, of course, is, is, you know, there's no such thing as overnight success, right? So start and be committed to something, right? Um, now look at that vision, hold on to that vision, 
right? And whatever you do, don't take your eyes off that vision. You can have fun until you get there, but make sure you still, you've got that guidepost to go to. Um, number two, perseverance, you know, learn what the hell that means and have it. Cause there's going to be so many tough times that you're just going to want to give up. And honestly, I think that's probably the biggest, most important quality of, of an entrepreneur is, um, their perseverance. And that's, what's going to get us through that. And then, um, last but not least is love what you do. Cause I am a firm believer that if you love what you do, you're not going to be working a day in your life. And, and I mean, those three things I think will take you far. It'll feel rewarding and it'll help you get through those tough times. Man, exactly. Amen to that. I could not say it better. Cool. Cool. I'm glad I didn't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> how can, how can people find you, Massimo? Um, you know, yeah. I think, honestly, I think everybody wants to have a good laugh. Please come visit us at theangrydesigner.com, right? You know, we're, uh, our podcast is there. You can drop us notes. Um, obviously, our podcast is, is everywhere where we listen to podcasts. Um, you know, we're, you know, Google and Spotify and Apple, of course. Um, I think there, we're also on Instagram. You know, we've got uh, the Angry Designer podcast on Instagram where they can kind of get all of our, our latest uh, rants and little pieces of advice just to kind of, you know, get them through their day, of course. Uh, I think those are the hottest places to, to find us. Um, you know, I'm always around. I'm an easy guy to find. Come visit us there. What if somebody wants to get a design done? What's the name of the agency again? Ah, uh, if you want, if somebody wants to, you know, talk business, you know, I appreciate that. Um, you know, so our company is called Z Factor and it's literally spelt Z F a c t o r dot com z factor and uh, z factor stands for zeal factor you know zeal is fire energy enthusiasm and it's it's what we put into all of our customer experiences you know we make sure that we keep customers for life and and they once somebody starts dealing with us they generally bring us to their next company and their next company next, just because it's always it's always a fun time and and we want to make sure we keep that so by all means drop us a line at uh, zfactor.com for sure i would love that Massimo, this has been a pleasure. I've really Thank enjoyed you. talking to you. I will make sure that I put everything in the show notes, all the little details, all your links and everything. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you on the, on the other side and talking to your ears right now. Yeah, that's you there. So thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this interview, uh, then please share it. Share it with your mates um, that you think would also benefit from listening. I think this is... Uh, something that's relevant not just to business owners but also just um, non-business owners as well because there's so many takeaways so if you if you if you could please share in your socials there is a link on the on you know just find it links are all, all over these days um for show notes uh for links for tr full transcript if you want to read it <laughs> uh then listen to it uh, then it is on there as well um any tips to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential Go to successinspiredpodcast.com. Thank you and have a great rest of your day, everybody.